What's going on, everybody? And welcome into the 13th installment of the Dogs Basketball Podcast. It's been a while. Here we are, Noah, episode 13, as I said. It's good to be back after a high hiatus around August 26th was our last episode. We have a pretty much a lot to cover and obviously some big breaking news within the program itself that came out uh, about l- last week, but definitely some some bigger news and the details coming out in the last couple of days. Uh, so we'll get to all the good stuff at the end or throughout, but let's start here now with uh, the most important stuff, which is this big news on uh, Liz Jarnigan and why she was released, as we know, back on something like eight days ago, I think it was on the 9th of September. That's correct. That uh, Liz... Uh, was fired. All of a sudden, we had no idea what the reasons were when she brought in the uh, her attorney and all that stuff. That th- things were hitting the fan. And sorry for introducing. As you guys know, I'm Nick Malone, drawn by Noah. Lurch. So Noah, uh, getting into this, we'll get into some details here. I don't think we'll take too long, but it is worth talking about. Obviously, that Liz Jarnigan and uh, a sport within the program is in some deep crap. Yeah, as we recall back. Over a week ago now, on Thursday night, I, I'm looking back at my phone log. I called you at 9.24 p.m. when Todd broke this news. And we were just like, well, we're, we were getting ready to, we were getting ready the next day, head to Manhattan, Kansas. And we were like, what in the world is going on here? We had no idea. And as we know, it just going on more and more that's opening up just makes the wound even bigger for our athletic programs. Getting into it a little bit, Liz was apparently fired, or she was fired, amid alleged abuse cover-up on women's swim and dive team. As we know, on Jeff Hansen, the coach, was a, he's been accused. The Equity and the Compliance Office has launched an investigation into allegations made by several women swim and dive athletes emotionally and sexually abused since 2019. Uh, Two former athletes referred as Athlete 1 and Athlete 2 in this scenario. We'll read a little bit. Athlete 1 said Hanson inappropriately commented on athletes' swimsuits in front of the team, made sexual comments about the team members' feminine hygiene, touched an athlete's inner thigh in front of the team, consistently threatened to remove athlete's scholarship, and went over to the maximum 20 hours of training Per week, which is regulated by the NCAA. So just listening to Athlete One, that is not a good sign if this has been happening. Yeah, and in 2019, as we know, Liz fully got the job at whatever month of that year. Um, but obviously at the time, because we, we said before, obviously that's when Jerry Kill got out. He went back into coaching, but we wondered, you know, all the good things that he did at the time why he's leaving to get back into coaching. We know the health issues he has had in the past with that stuff, being a head coach, let alone he just an assistant. What school did he go to again? Uh, Virginia Tech. Virginia is, Tech. Yes. And he's still there, right? I believe so. Well, we think so. So when he left, obviously Liz took over. And if it was around that same time, then I guess uh, maybe they all knew about it. And kind of covering up, you mentioned athlete one saying that. And uh, – after max of 20, yeah, 20 hours of training per week, along with the removing scholarships and the 20 hours of training per week, which is regulated by the NCAA. In a meeting on October 9, 2020, multiple swim and dive athletes had a meeting with the Equity and Compliance Office, where Liz was present at. The sources said they described Hansen's conduct and have yet to see any corrective measure. An athlete, one reiterated, said she, parents of two said parents of two team members notified Austin Lane of their abuse allegations via email on September 7th, so two days before the firing. Uh, Lane has directed athletes and parents' concerns to the interim AD, Matt Kupek, who we were going to say is, because we mentioned on the football, Matt Kupek, who was a former UNC football player, and uh, he was the uh, officer of the SIU Foundation dealing with money, and he was uh, named interim, and it is confirmed. We were going to get to that. Uh, and then, obviously, we read on football as well that Austin Lane had a, had a statement on Liz for her work, and she kind of, he thanked her for her work in announcing a national search for a new AD. 
and we'll get into what uh, Athlete 2 had to say. But you know, this is obviously unfortunate. As we know, we got the chance to talk to Liz at, before the first football game at SEMO a couple weeks ago, and she's really nice. Everyone reiterated how nice they were. I mean, our coaches thought the same way as well as she's done a really good job. It's just whenever stuff like this happens, and we mentioned Austin Lane, that he was only here till or since, uh, you know, middle of last year in July of 2020, that I guess he was semi-unaware, but we mentioned, Noah, this meeting with the equity that happened October 9th. He was in charge by then, and of course, you would think maybe the chancellor's in on this stuff to make sure things are going smoothly and make sure laws are followed, that it would be strange to think that Lane didn't know about it until he got that email from Athlete One. Yeah, um... It's very surprising that the like the committee would not report to him or something when something like this happens, or even Liz Jarnigan, who's in on the meeting and obviously knows about it through that meeting and listening to what they were talking about. It's just very surprising that he there was no action sooner than it's happened. And getting them into Athlete 2... He said, actually, cut you off uh, class, because he said on September 7th when he got the email, when he first heard about it, he can't... Conf- he, couldn't confirm at the time that it resulted in Jarnigan's termination, which when you find out more details as they go on, and you find out obviously she knew, it's a firing on the spot, so go ahead. Yeah, Lane also said, uh, we're going to make sure our student-athletes are safe and that they feel like they can not only compete, but go to class without any form of harassment or intimidation. Absolutely. He said that will be our commitment to our students-athletes, so that's good that he has stepped up and said that uh, – I believe Athlete One said uh, Jarnigan knew about these reports and she did not do anything. She never talked to Jeff Hansen about fixing the situation, which is not good looking for Liz Jarnigan there. Yeah, and we were were reading here, if we haven't uh, mentioned yet, the Daily Egyptian came out with this piece, and uh, the Daily Egyptian repeatedly tried to reach out to Liz for comments, and she directed all her questions to her attorney. Um, and the Daily Egyptian did not hear back from Liz's attorney prior to the publication of this that we're reading right here. They also reached out to Hanson multiple times for comment and did not receive a response. So, Athlete 2 said seven swimmers have quit SIU due to Hanson's abuse, Athlete 2 said. Hanson disregarded athletes' mental health with excessive training hours and repeatedly threatened to take away scholarships. Athletes did not comply with his training quest. Athlete 2 went on to say, he frightened me to the point where I would not be able to sleep before I went to practice. I was so anxious about showing up to practice and feeling like he doesn't even care if I'm there or not. I always felt like he didn't even want some of us there. So, just just awful sounding and just if, well, one, one biggest thing about my thing is if Lane was so quick to get rid of Liz, then why is why does this Jeff Hansen still why isn't he put on administrative leave till the investigation's over or why does he even still have a job? Yeah, we have talked about this and it is interesting because yeah, quick to fire the AD, you're right, and then not do anything publicly about the coach when it is, you know, it's just it's it's like how every single kind of case happens in the world that you have people that say what happened, but you gotta get you gotta get confirmation, so they're not gonna do anything about certain jobs at first. So it is uh, crazy that you know the AD would get fired before the coach who does all this. Uh, it is interesting, and I I said before I thought of that right there that you know he's in such deep crap maybe that they just haven't got the chance to release it. But yeah, until they get full details on a lot of stuff, <clears throat> excuse me that. Uh, uh, that for the most part he can still go about his business, which is very unfortunate. Athlete two went on to say seven swimmers have quit at SIU due to, due to Hanson's abuse. And no, we've talked about before how, because I know I've known a couple of people I had classes with, people that were on the swim team. Well, one girl, I had one guy that I knew, but uh, we had wasn't uh, the swim team has been pretty successful though, have they not? I mean, it's unfortunate because you know how when you're good and you want to sustain it that. You know, hard coaching has to happen, but it gets to this level that Hanson had that obviously it uh, can't happen. Uh, but they've been pretty good, haven't they? So it's unfortunate whether they would obviously just fire him, and but it you know it'd be tarnished to a sense that people won't want to go there off the scholarships, and people don't want to come to SIU now for that reason. Obviously, if they get a new coach, things would be different. But 
it, it definitely takes a beating for the swim program. Absolutely. They've been very competitive. And Athlete One also said they, they, they brought these abuse claims of the assistant swim coaches, and Hanson told those coaches not to report any of the claims to the administration. Athlete One said they just know what that he's going to use everything in his power to get his way, and if they stand in his way, they're going to go down. And I hate that, you know, when all this ends up coming out, you wonder why and you wonder why now kind of thing. Because uh, obviously it happened at the time, and it's one of those things where you know it's not good at the time and why you don't say anything sooner. It's one of those because it's happened for two years now. And I think it said it bled a little bit into 18, right, 2018. So it, it would have been great to know this at the time, especially when you know and You know, it's one of those things where you have an idea because he's your coach. You think he's doing the right thing, blah, 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 and you don't take anything from it. But these are college kids, you know, they have an idea of what's good and what's bad. I would hope that it would come out sooner, wouldn't you think? I mean, it's just oh, it's just unfortunate. When we first heard all this news, it was just, it makes it makes the program look so bad. It makes SIU look so bad, uh, you know, because we know the sports that you and I discuss or talk about, the two main ones that, you know, we wouldn't think anything like this. We're glad that nothing like this would happen to basketball or football. Because then the school would, oh, I don't even want to talk, I don't even want to know what kind of uh, either, you know, disciplinary action or anything, a hit and anything for future and present of those two programs. But swimming, it's a big deal. It's a, it's a big hit. We mentioned on the swimming program, but no, it's a big hit on the school, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's a big hit. This is the first time the university swim and dive team has landed in hot water. They were sanctioned back in 2018 after standard and aggravated rule infractions resulting in three-year probation, fine, and scholarship reductions, which uh, September 9th, just because September 9th, 2018 is when that was put out. So September 9th, and September is not a good area for the swim and dive team, it sounds like. Yeah, again, it's just, I hate that we would lead off with this, but we have to cover it because it does involve the athletic director and it involves sports at the school. We know how much we love the school in general, and we mentioned how awful this looks for it, and we're hoping it gets resolved, and people that definitely the one that caused all of this, Coach Hanson, does get fired along the way. But like I said, it has to go through all the legal stuff, and this is just athlete one and two's word against anything else, so they have to... They have to obviously get witnesses. They have to get all that legal stuff that we're not obligated to really talk about because we don't know anything about to an extent. Then all this gets resolved, and uh, we, we do wish Liz the best. It's unfortunate that she had to have this covered up because obviously you know at the time that you, you cover things up, so you don't have to deal with it at that time. You push it you push it away, but you know it's always going to end up coming back to buy you in the end. So we wish her luck we do like everyone else did like austin lane did because she was a good person she was just in the in the wrong situation it seemed like and we hope everything with the swim team gets resolved when you say what are your final thoughts on this before we get on to some good stuff yeah uh, more bad stuff is just this bad timing the saluki soccer coach has has also been placed on administrative leave we don't we i mean i don't think this timing would be any abuse allegations part of it, but because I think if he was been put on, that means the swim coach would also be on administrative leave. So I don't think this could be connected, but I don't think it's actually connected. So that's yeah, just yeah, more, yeah, point there, yeah. that's more, more turmoil for the athletics and uh, more bad news or more bad things about Liz is she hired an associate AD for compliance, Alex Parker, who was under show, which show means that doesn't mean he no one can hire him, but doesn't restrict his involvement with financial aid legislation, which is normally a big part of compliance officer duties. He gave nine players impermissible cash loans while at Akron. Parker was the associate di- director of compliance at Akron. He admitted, he admitted to the NCAA committee of enforcement staff that he loaned the money to players totaling 5900 and resigned. Akron football program received a two-year probation. He was given two-year show till August of 2023. So if she's making moves like that, I mean, I know that doesn't the show doesn't restrict you from hiring somebody, but if she knew that was on his record, I don't see why in the heck she would hire him like that. It, it, I honestly, I don't even know what else more to say because they try to cover up best they can, as we said, and they're trying to get someone that 
can help cover it up best they can. And it's just really unfortunate. And we also Which, talked about how, um, how we feel like it's in good hands, like the hand, like the program in the school itself, athletics wise. And we'll get to another story right after this about something with the athletic department that we are not happy with, but, um, that, you know, at the time we're, we think football is at its best basketball is on the rise to being competitive. Like they once were, you know, in other sports, we know baseball had a great year. Softball had a great year. Like we think we're just in a great spot. And we thought Liz was the one to lead us into this great era of Saluki sports. And it's, it's, it stinks that something like this has to get in the way of that. So we will leave it at that. Uh, we will cover this again on the next football pod as well. So, yeah, we hope it all gets resolved uh, the best way possible and that, you know, the law abides and um, things turn out the way they're supposed to. So uh, now Noah, and we wanted to shout out Brian Munoz for that. He's worked for all, like, the Southern and all this kind of stuff. He's the one who tweeted that out. He works for Daily Egyptian. So uh, shout out to him for that, for the help, for posting that picture on Twitter. So now, Noah, let's get into another big deal. Uh, Todd, earlier this morning, talked about the athletic department and the quote, three-phase approach in attempting to cut $3 million a year for the next three years, according to a story in the Southern SIU's $353 million budget includes 2% salary raises for SIUC employees. This stinks as well. There is a, we could click on the link, but there's a, you know, there's a paywall which we could pay, but we just don't at this moment. Uh, what are your thoughts on this, Noah? Because obviously, we do not like this these budget cuts for the school because we now with the swim program if it takes a hit in that sense but obviously this covers for the main sports the ones that we cover that this could be uh, something you know down the road or coming up about you know something that could you know sw- uh, for lack of a better word you know swift or change things in a in a bad direction. Yeah, uh, I mentioned this on our last football pod and that I had been told this information that that budget cuts were coming for our athletics. And now that Todd confirms it, it's just not good. Especially the way we're, it's been hitting with this Liz situation. And now we're put in this situation that Chancellor Lane wants to cut us back and basically run us like a lower conference program and just, I don't even know what to think about it. I know our school has been in debt for a while, but now we're going to make take away money from your biggest probably money get is your athletics. I just don't get it. Without a doubt, and definitely basketball and football, and uh, especially since uh, with COVID. You know, we think COVID would have been a reason over these last two years almost of why we've lost money, and we definitely have lost money because of that. Everybody did, not having fans. We know football uh, and, I guess, basketball had families in attendance, whether they had to pay or not. I doubt it. So there are no concessions, no ticket sales, obviously, for everybody, but that took a hit. So this only hurts that even more as well. Uh, and, though there is Lee Downs, who is a uh, definitely a – somewhat of an insider throughout Saluki Athletics and uh, SIU in general, who we've seen before. He commented on this, to be clear, they are taking $3 million off the budget for three years, lowering it from $26 million to $23 million. They are not taking an additional three each year. The $26 million is just a guesstimate. So there are the details in this. As we mentioned, the paywall, we could look into more details. But yeah, just all this is coming at an absolute awful time when we thought everything was on the rise because we talked about Nick Hill getting his extension after the spring and his pay raise that now all of this is coming to fruition, I guess you could say about, um, you know, not being able to do the things we want down the road to get in these tournaments we're in for basketball and get into all this stuff that we know we can, we have to pay for getting to these, uh, you know, the, the NITs, the the CITs, stuff like that, that it hurts unless we get automatic bids and we would deserve it. You still have to somewhat pay your way, and this hurts in that sense and getting stuff for your notoriety, for how your program's looked at and what you want to do, certain parts of your season. So, I mean, it, overall, as all of this is just, he said, yeah, 2% salary raises for the employees of SIUC, which, I mean... We, I mean, that's, I guess, fair. 
to an extent because obviously obviously they're going to look at uh, you know school before athletics and as they should. And we have a friend actually Noah that's going to be involved with teaching at some point here for the remainder of this semester. So overall, this is just it, it stinks from our perspective, but obviously in the end. It may be a little taken away too too much, and we hate that it happens in general, but if they salary for the teachers or the employees of SIU and then everything that goes more towards, I guess, the true academic school side, I mean, it, it kind of makes sense, but it's unfortunate still. Yeah, it's very unfortunate, and I don't know exactly. We Well, we, we nobody knows exactly how each, each $3 million affects each sport or whatever it does, but it obviously is going to affect the bigger programs that we have in like football and basketball. And it's just, and it's going to hurt the lower, the lower tier, like our new soccer team even more because it's taking away money from them. If the others, if the, the sports don't have success, it's just going to hurt them even more each year. Exactly. Especially if, if our basketball team makes a run and gets to the tournament or does something. Can't pay for it. Yeah. You can't, you can't, we can't do that, and it's just – if it does like that, um, it's just – And you mentioned the soccer team, yeah, because now that their coach is gone, they can hire a new one. I wouldn't think they would just cut it. We've known SIU has cut sports like tennis and all other kinds of sports, you know, for budgetary reasons, and this was three or four years ago or longer. So it doesn't look good on – on the, the school it doesn't look good yeah it, it prevents us from doing stuff down the road and uh it just means that we have to start getting a lot of fans for these games like for football tomorrow as we'll talk about on the football pod that uh or for saturday's game that we expect a big crowd we expect those crowds throughout the whole year we expect crowds for basketball now that the you know restrictions are easing in terms of you know places you can go watch games and stuff that that's where that comes in the comes into place even more is uh, revenue for obviously games and such. So I guess we'll leave it at that. Um, and as you know, if we could somehow get it through this paywall at some point, we're willing to pay it, which isn't a lot. We will get through that and provide more details down the road. But yeah, overall very disappointing and uh, does not help the program at all when we think it's on the rise. And people in the comments were saying how, yeah, it doesn't make it easier to compete with uh, teams we got to go through, uh, definitely. And further, we mentioned how recruiting, you know, it hurts. You know, obviously you pay money to travel to recruit, and it might take a hit on that. I don't know how much that is, a decent amount, I imagine. And especially, obviously, if these things come out, it hurts your recruiting. If stuff like this happens to where, you know, it takes bits and pieces out of your programs that, you know, players will look at that and say, why would I want to go to a place that, you know, is doing all this stuff and doesn't have the uh, resources that all these other ones do that are in on me. So uh, there's so many things that could take place in this. So we'll we'll leave all the bad stuff behind us now. Noah, what, what are your final thoughts on that? Though? Yeah, to sum it up real quick, Cindy Stein, the women's basketball coach, tweeted on September 9th, just remember, folks, that when you think you have seen and heard everything, you haven't. So that's just – she basically foreshadowed what was coming to our athletics program, and it's blown up in our face, and it's just it's a shame for Saluki Athletics as a whole. Yeah, it seems like she's going out swinging, too, because we know this is her final season coming up. So she's like, oh, you're going to fire me right before the season? So it's like she's saying all that knowing she's gone. But she's telling the truth, obviously, as we know. Toward so. the budget cuts, I do know that Liz was fighting against cutting the budget for our athletics and – which is a shame now this happened and she's covered this up, apparently. Yeah, so she was trying to save it. And then, yeah, this comes up to where a totally different sense of all that, that it, it's the reason why she's gone. So hopefully, as we mentioned, uh, Matt Kupek is uh, the new interim uh, AD for now. And they, Austin Lane said they will have a national search. So Yes, Kupek is not interested in the job long term, he said. Okay, so good news there, or just good overall news on knowing about it. Uh, so hopefully he does a good enough job until we get all that straightened out. So now, Noah, let's get into some good stuff of basketball. Like we said, it's been a while since we've been on here. So, uh, But a couple big things have came out for big reasons why we talk about doing one in general. But now that all this bigger stuff has come out, it's time to do one. So now it came out yesterday that, Noah, we are now having new jerseys. As we've talked about, we've – we like the jerseys they had before. They've had it recently. We know the Barry era had its own, and then the past couple of years we've had 
it seems just kind of standard. You know, the road maroons had Southern Illinois on them, and I like the fact that the road shows you where you're coming from, and if you're home, it has just your nickname on it. So we go from the Southern Illinois on the road maroon to Saluki's, or and Saluki's on the white. Standard, you know, they look pretty crisp at times. That Now we got new ones, Noah, and the road, we, uh, if you go to the Twitter accounts, Everybody, I'm sure everybody's seen it, that they have players here modeling them, I guess you could say, J.D., Flexen, and the Maroons. And we said at first, because we've talked before, how we don't like how they've, a lot of the stuff looks purple more than maroon. This, no other road, it looks like the road maroons, just say the Saluki zone, kind of the curve with the logo on the shorts. Uh, and then it appears on both, though, there's stripes on the side. We don't get the full look, hopefully down the road, or at some point we do, so... Uh, there's that one, and then the SIU that Lance and Marcus are doing because Trent and JD with the road. The home has the SIU on it, and the logo on the shorts the same way, and everything, the stripes on the side. So we talked about this the first time we posted on our dog's podcast Instagram about what people thought. So what do you think of these, Noah? They're new. We didn't think we needed a change, but if they did, that it would, they we think they would look good. And, and these aren't awful, but you know they didn't meet the eye right away, did they? Yeah, not right away in our basketball poll, and ended up an eighty-three percent vote. They like the new threads. Okay. So on our poll on our Instagram, if you're not following us, go check that out. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's something fresh. I mean, it's very traditional. So if you like, if you got the traditional eye, you're gonna love these. So. I mean, at first I wasn't a great fan, but the more I looked into them, I think, hey, it's a fresh look, and they're maybe something something to them that we can't really see. But, I mean, I like them. I wish I, we could get the maroon colored figured out, and I wish we had maybe an alternate jersey at some point. I know a couple of years ago we had a gray jersey. And that cream white. Yeah, so, but if we could get something – I know when we had the red, white, and blue jerseys a couple of years ago, but uh, yeah, it's a fresh look. Hey, I'm not, I'm not complaining about them. So they'll do. It's a fresh look. Yeah, and actually, I don't really. When we first saw me, we were like, yeah, but yeah. As we look at them more, we do like them. I think the one that JD's rocking almost looks like a practice jersey. Uh, but as you scroll and you see, like I said, we would love to see more of this and like more angles in the back of them because we know people have talked about what the backs look like. We're interested in that. Yeah, maybe if the SIU was on the road ones and the Salukis were on the white, I'm really not complaining. Those look nice because JD's looks how it is, but you see the close-up with Trent and Marcus, and you see the details that it is maroon, and they do look crispy, the Under Armour sponsored. So, yeah, we can't wait to see those in action, obviously. Uh, and, yeah, you, you mentioned alternates we wish because we know they do it for blackout cancer. They do do black jerseys. Maybe they're working on those. And we also mentioned for football that we really want new white uh, road jerseys for football because we know we got the ones that we'll see coming up for the football game, those nice maroon ones. So we hope, and it, it's cool to see that they they're actually are trying it, and they're changing things up in these quote unquote new eras. So uh, yeah, overall, do uh, we do like them? We are fans of them. So I'd we- like to know what our deal with. I wonder what our how long our. How long are our contract with Under Armour? Good point, because we have been Under Armour for a long time, but yeah, we only had those jerseys ever since Brian's coach. So only two years we had those other ones. So interesting, yeah, good point. Because uh, I'm sure contractually, Under Armour is going to stay. I guess it's their own decision to have their own jerseys as long as Under Armour stays. So that is an interesting point, though. Uh, so yeah, uh, we do like them, and can't wait to see them down the road. Maybe more angles of how they look. So now, no, let's get into do the biggest reason why we wanted to do a pod was recently the uh, conference schedule came out. Obviously, we've been waiting on this. We know for the most part about 90% of what the non-con is, and we'll get to a little bit of that maybe here or down the road. But no, there was always that game that we remember when we were at the uh, at the open house that they did mention they were going to get that one game in. At the start of December, a month before the actual conference season usually starts, we did. Uh, we we took note of that at the time, and we were wondering, obviously, who that could have been, Noah, and it is known now that we go at Evansville. Always a fun place to go, a fun place to go uh, trip-wise for us. And I'm sure for the players, there's always a decent atmosphere, especially with fans back. It'll be better at the uh, Ford Center, so it's a big place. It's a big arena feel. 
So, I mean, that's a good game, right? We understand we'll get down the road, obviously, but Evansville won't be a slouch this year like they weren't last year. So that'll be a fun game to kick off the uh, season. Yeah, that's a good uh, opening matchup for us for conference play. Maybe get a good 1-0 start, get a road win in conference. So, I mean, like you said, going over the Ford Center is an easy drive for us from Southern Illinois. A lot always of, fun. Yeah, always fun. A lot of fans usually try to make the – trip it's on a wednesday that's going to be i mean todd licklider's had they had a heck of a year last year everybody under overlooked him in voting wise for preseason they had a heck of a year i know they've lost some guys but they brought in some good players so they're going to be another tough fight again yeah and we recall those two games last year we had them back-to-back days at our place that uh uh the first game we knew, like, that was off the Butler game, and we knew, like, okay, here we are. We're going to go on a run. And then the second game, they just shut the lights out and beat us by, I think, like 11 points. So, definitely. We, I mean, I think they lost. One of the guys that had higher scoring in that game is gone now. But, yeah, you're right. They will reload. They have, and people are uh, overlooking them, I think. So, we'll be looking forward to that game. Details, obviously, down the road. You mentioned, yeah, it'd be nice to start out 1-0 on the road. And then a month goes by, knowing some more non-con games go by. These are two big games. We get back-to-back home games against a three-day span of Loyola and Drake. Two teams that will be picked ahead of us and two teams that we know we have to go through to get where we want to be. Yeah, that's going to be a great start to actual full-force conference play. You get those two home games. You get to see where you where you where you stand in the valley real quick, like with those two home games. Without a doubt, and uh, we mentioned how you feel like you you want to have. Obviously, you want to win as many home games as you can because you have the advantage, and you know it's nice to have. Uh, you know, if you have them at the beginning of the season on the road, if you got to go to their place because you say, okay, well, if we can knock them, we can knock them off at their place first then we know we have the advantage going home when we play them to potentially sweep. That if you have them at home, you're like, well, we know we have to win these games. That if we drop them, it's going to be so tough going into their place down the road and not getting swept. So there's a, there's pros and cons to facing teams like that right away, let alone back-to-back games. So, yeah, if you want to set your tone in the Valley and know who you are and scratch away those preseason rankings that we'll get to down the road as well, we're looking forward to seeing that it's uh, – yeah, great way to start. And then we go uh, back-to-back road games, Noah, at Valpo, the new uh, beacons of Valpo. We understand, obviously, they lost their best player, but they are still good. They brought in a lot of good guys. We'll get to that down the road. But going into there, because we know there have been some tough games over the years there, and we'll go on January 8th. Yeah, we struggled. We struggled down the couple. We struggled up there, and it's been a tough place to play. Not a very big arena, kind of one of your – Bigger high school gym, it looks like, up there. And it's like tough. Semi-Loyola size. Yeah, it's uh, it's not as nice as Loyola's, but it's it's that about the same size. But, yeah, um, it's crazy to think with all the players that have left there that Lottich just keeps bringing in these guys. And it's it's a credit to him and his staff, the way they've done things, that they're going to – it doesn't matter – who wants to be there as, as long as you get they can get guys to come that they're going to be solid year in and year out. Exactly, and people tend to forget that they were in the Valley title game a couple of years ago. Obviously, you know, when they had uh, Freeman Liberty and stuff, they had good players, but obviously it, it also matters. You can also obviously go on a run in tournaments like that. So people, people tend to forget, and they were just – they were what were they placed last year? I don't remember, but uh, better than us. And we know that there will be a tough team as usual. And then this, Noah, we mentioned the first two teams that we have to go through in this game at Missouri State four days after the Valpo game will be tough as well. We know that's also a tough place to play. Yeah, that's a very tough. They're oversized, bare logo in the middle of the court. Hate it. As we know, they are loaded. They're bringing everybody back, and they're adding Donovan Clay. And New Jersey's, I remember seeing however long ago, so. Yeah, they will be picked pretty high, top two for a reason, I would say. Rightfully so, with the super team that we're going. So, uh, and then we have home games against UNI and Indiana State. We understand UNI is a team will be we think will be right there with in the preseason rankings. Indiana State, we know we can't overlook them as well. That's a four-game span at home between with those two. Indiana State, we'll get to. Uh, we thought they were going to hit rock bottom, and then they a couple guys came back, and obviously 
have kept with the system they got going there. So uh, that will not be easy, as we know, ever. And at Bradley, we know around, because we go to the Highland High School Basketball Tournament, one of the biggest and definitely biggest in the state, where all these top uh, players going to these big schools go, and we weren't able to go, obviously, this past year. We'll be looking forward to that, or because we know us going to Bradley is around the, almost the exact time. That's around early to mid-January, and this is January 22nd uh, at Bradley. We made the trip up there before, not for an SAU game. I remember when Lance played EJ Liddell up there in the state championship. Uh, that was fun. That was a couple years ago. But we haven't made it for an SIU game. It would be cool to go to, depending upon what day it is. Um, but, yeah, Bradley is always a tough place to go. Yeah, I believe that's a Saturday game. So It's about a four-hour trip, right? So Yeah, depending on work scenarios for us. But, yeah, that's a tough – That's a that would be a good trip to make. I know – I know we uh, had had some success. Usually, we split with them. I think I think it was a couple of years ago. We went up there, then they came to our place and won. So we split backwards. But yeah, those. Then we get into after that, you get to go to at Loyola back. That's. I wonder if they'd stay up there for a couple of days. I doubt it. They'd probably come back. Then they have to make another trip to Chicago. That'd, yeah. That'd be a rough couple of days, and that's a rough yeah, stretch. Especially if we came off a loss against Bradley, knowing we got to go up to Loyola, it would be a, yeah, it'd be gruesome. But as we know, yeah, they're they're going to be really good again, and under the new regime. Um, so yeah, that will be tough as it always is. And then we flip and get Valpo again at home in Missouri state. So we get back to back against them on the road and then back to back with them at home. Uh, and then we finally get at Illinois state. You no, know, we get the Redbirds finally. The, we mentioned how overlooking teams. We will not, uh, we will definitely underlook Illinois state. They will not be good as we know. Uh, we will get to obviously how all these teams f- play out down the road, but we have a feeling they will be picked 10th and they probably might finish 10th. We understand this is probably the make or break for Dan Moore. So we go at them. We know that's a tough place to play. Great. We've had some success there, though, in the past couple of years, which is kind of seems like an upset because of how great their fans are and how play- good that hard it is to win there. And then we go at UNI, which we've had not had much success there four days later after that. Uh, and then at home against Evansville, and then Bradley. Uh, so we get some quality home games after beating Illinois State and then going in a dogfight against you and I, and then getting Evansville at home would ease it a little bit. And then Bradley, we know Bradley would be really good there in the same tournament as us kick off the year. So let's finish this out now, Noah, at Indiana State February 19th. As we mentioned, tough West play. We usually play at the beginning, at the beginning of, the, of the conference season. So we get there at the end. We have been there before. It's, it's a good time. We went there a couple years ago. Barry's last year, or Brian's first year. Wasn't the Shiz and Armand year last time we went and watched a game there? Correct. So like 2019. So uh, that was fun. It's always fun to go there. Host Illinois State, get that win. Hopefully, you know, second to last game. And then we finish at Drake, which we know will be a dogfight as well. So overall thoughts of this, Noah, it's, it's pretty evened out. Like we said, we know we play the great teams after the long month gap between games. We get the two great uh, home games, and then it evens out, and then it's pretty pretty even out. Though we we like our chances overall, but what do you think of the schedule? Yeah, uh, first off, I was kind of disappointed to see the weekend games not against the top tier teams. I know we have some fans that like to travel from different areas to come down for weekend basketball games and a lot of our top tier games are against during the week which sucks for them and it makes it harder to pack the arena every every on a weeknight when we got people that can't make it from the Springfield area or even farther up in Chicago I think think speaking of Lee Downs he's from that he's up he's from up north somewhere but he he I don't think he'd be able to make it down unless he just takes a whole day off himself from work or whatever he does. So that's just, I was not happy about our weekend games against some lower tier teams, but overall it's, it's a solid schedule. I like, I like the two, two home games, two away games, kind of back and forth each week. So every other week you'll get two home games and you'll have two road games. Yeah, exactly. I kind of like that, but we'll see. It's going to be a tough year. We know every, 
you can't overlook or underlook any opponent in the Valley. It's going to be a dogfight no matter what. Yeah, and you mentioned the two games each, and obviously at the very beginning with Evansville, it's not. At the very end, it's not. So hopefully we can finish strong to where the flip-flop in a road and away six-day span works out in our favor. And yeah, we you mentioned that with the weekends thing and having good teams on the road because they know, obviously, if they have a 7 o'clock game, which is most of them are at, sometimes 8 o'clock, that people will make it through the week knowing that, you know, we got nothing else going on. We got work the next day, so we're going to go obviously make that game on a Tuesday night. Yeah, compared to we would like fans to make them more to weekends at good games against good teams. You're right. Uh, they also think of from a perspective of people have other things they'd like to do on weekends also. So I'm sure that's coordinated a certain way throughout them and the league office and maneuvering the schedule how it is. And so, yeah, I, yeah, the two games apiece is nice. So I guess that finishing strong will be key. And we'll talk about a lot of this more down the road and obviously how the final product of these teams, as soon as, you know, cause we're almost, we're about exactly two months or two, yeah, two months away from the start of the season. We know we host Austin P. So we will, for the big tournament. So we will get more in detail about what the teams are and more about the schedule. So we did want to get that out of the way. Uh, now, Noah, let's get into, because we, okay, actually, if you have it on you, the Valley teams, should we cover this now or wait about opening games like that December 1st around that game for the teams in front of us who they have to play? I have that at our I, have, I have it in my, right, right here. Okay. That opening day, uh, four games on, four games on Wednesday, one on Thursday, uh, Indiana State's at Loyola, Missouri State at Illinois State. Uh, the best game is you and I at Bradley. Then on Thursday, you get Falpo at Drake. So that is the opening. So those top teams get some uh, leeway in terms of who they're playing. Yeah, besides so, you and I and Bradley, yeah. that'll be a heck of a game to watch. Oh, yeah. I mean, we talk about Bradley a lot. <clears throat> and, you know, if, I, if it's us and then flip-flopping at a certain point, in the middle of the pack of the top ten, we're not surprised. And we know Bradley's good enough. They've lost their all their great players. We know they're right back to that. So, yeah, that is a great game. Uh, you and I's veterans, and then, yeah. And then they're giving leeway to some of these other top teams to make it easier for them at the start. And I guess you could say that well, we said we don't we don't overlook or underlook anybody, and we shouldn't do that with Evansville, without a doubt. But uh, that we are glad, even though it's on the road, that that is in our favor as well. So, uh, so that, like I said, we'll get to more details about all that down the road. Noah, let's get into another important topic. We saw him modeling right there for the jerseys, but Todd had an update on JD in the last little bit, didn't he? If I could find it here, that it was going well for him. It said, uh, some good news for the program. One of the, obviously JD, who was one of the top Juco players in the country when he committed to his last season has been cleared for full full contact and obviously missed last year with a torn meniscus right before that Louisville tournament that ended up getting caked because of COVID anyway. But no full contact. It's been a long time since he's been hurt. It's almost been a year since he had the injury. Meniscuses aren't. We mentioned how for someone as big as him, meniscuses aren't you know anything to take lightly for people, especially obviously it, it's like that for anybody, especially for someone who carries a lot of load like he does for the most part that it might be tough to come back from kind of, I'm not a doctor, but uh, it's probably not ideal. And it has took him a long time to fully get, we know he, we've seen him on videos and stuff for the team and, and huddles or maybe working on free throws or something. We've seen him in videos, but full contact. No, this is great. Especially two months before the season. Great to see because we've been wanting to see it for a long time. Absolutely. That's music to our ears. That is a big get. And we know he was one of the top defenders in Juco what he can bring to the table, and I'm sure they're going to move him on very slowly here at the beginning, but once we get closer, about a month away, they'll really ramp him up. They'll use this first month to get him in some contact and really get him back into shape, probably in some basketball shape, maybe some 5v5 or something like that, just to get him going then really ramp him up with a month to go to get him because we know we're going to need him. Oh, without a doubt, and we're thinking, obviously, he was going to start last season because he's just now two months away, clear for full contact, unless, yeah, like you said, they do ramp him up a lot to where he works his way into the starting five. We know Kyler has earned the right, if JD's not healthy, obviously, either way, to start after what he did last year, making the all-freshman first team. So we know we have the depth there, as we've talked about multiple times. 
at big. So yeah, they will each day deeper. Yeah, we hope that it ramps up a lot before the season because yes, we will need him without a doubt. So that is big news as well that came out almost a week ago. So now let's get into another uh, part of the program, which he's a new guy, one we got a couple months ago, Noah Reese Johnson, who was at the open house and was a walk-on for the team this year. We noticed him. This isn't official, but we have an idea that we don't think he's on the uh, team anymore, do we? And there were reasons why. Yeah. Um, they came out with their Super Bowl predictions, and I just noticed he wasn't on there. So I took it upon myself to go to the SIU basketball roster, which I'm going to do right now to triple-check myself. And he's not on the a website under the basketball team as well. So that is kind of a shock. Maybe he started school and practice. Maybe I wouldn't think would be too much because he's been playing basketball his whole career and back and forth. But Even though the college level is different right. in terms of everything, yes. Uh, and then, uh, but maybe it was too much. Maybe it was too much, and knowing that it's gonna t- he's gonna take a hit with his athletics to an extent. I'm sure he's he would have definitely helped the team GPA and everything. We understand all that, so maybe he didn't want to take out his you know reasonings for school wise potentially because you know we did wonder because he's a walk on. So is Will Keller. So is Chris Cross, and they're on here. So, but now we have the even what three six nine. We have the even fifteen on here. So it is weird. I guess we did have an odd man 16. So now we have the 15 on here when they did make their, their Super Bowl pick. So we did one of that. And, yeah, as soon as we saw that, as you said, you immediately looked to the website and he was not on there. We don't know that for a fact. Because, no, if we go to his Twitter account, it still says SLU Basketball, right? Yeah, but it does say in terms, it says, I follow Jesus, the Johnsons, Mia Willis, Mia Wills, and SIU Basketball. That can mean he loves SIU basketball. So, yeah, he just, uh, he's a big fan of SIU basketball. He says, I follow. It doesn't say he's a part. And all of the players and coaches still follow him, and he's got his huddle connected to his account. So, it is interesting. He would be on there if he'd be on all this stuff he was still on the team. So, we don't know that for sure. We're just speculating because that's what we see. So, we had to get that out there as well. So now let's ramp up a little bit, Noah. We understand that Kashki Pet met with the, with, with the uh, video team, talk about it. And he, we're not going to play it, but he did talk. We're not going to play the video, but he did talk about uh, still what we knew as soon as he came about. We remember an article that came out from around Chicago that talked about his Simeon days and how big he is on trust and that he knew that he chose SIE for the coaching staff, how big they are on trust. He talked about Brian's, you know, uh, you know, his past of playing that he understands from their perspective uh, what it's like to win, what it's like to even just play at this level. <clears throat> and he did give props to the team and how they work and knows that it's going to pay dividends down the road. And as we talked about so many times, know how important it is to have him here for his skill set, knowing that we need to keep up with the other teams and the players that they have. Yeah, we've been we've been talking about his skill set for years that we needed a guy like this, and it just sucks that we're only going to have him for a year. But we know if, with that one year, we're going to make the most of it, and we know what he's going to bring to the table to really help this team take us to the next level. And we mentioned experience overall, that he's got all the experience in the world, really. Remember, yeah, him starting at UNLV, working his way to being successful at Arkansas Little Rock. So, um uh, yeah, you're right. And take advantage of this at this one year. And I'm so glad that he keeps preaching how tr- you know trust. And that's what we know how confident we are in our coaching staff and our recruiters to instill that in players they are in on and will continue to be in on as the years go on. Uh, that obviously we know that's what our coaching staff seeks out anyway. They seek out the right guys. They seek out guys that are specific to what they exactly what they want. And they're big on family. They're big on all that. So. Him reiterating all that is still, again, music to our ears. Love hearing all that stuff. So we had to get that out there as well. We're expecting, we mentioned JD and Cash. Uh, if they're both healthy, those were two of the starters we had going. We mentioned Kyler being able to start. We know Cash will start. That's a foregone conclusion, I think. Uh, so we wanted to get, so those are three big news along with the schedule and the jerseys, this is a definitely a warranted pod. Now, there's a little things to end up with. We did have actually some more big stuff and some stuff that we know is going on this weekend at SIU. Uh, 
So a couple of follow Fridays they mentioned. I know uh, uh, who was it? The first one. Will Keller was the first one we missed since we last did a pod. Uh, I know Scotty. I don't think we mentioned the one with Scotty. Go follow all these guys. And they ended today with Troy D'Amico, who we talked about when we saw this today, that people are kind of underlooking him for maybe playing time or just his talent overall. He's the least talked about of the three uh, recruits. So we're hoping he definitely takes off as well. Follow all these guys on Twitter. You go check all those out. So before we get into the Another big part, which we will end on, Noah, Marcus Damask was on the In the Doghouse with Brian, and they just talked about how there was a snippet of a video, and you guys can go check that out. It's a long video of them just talking about how they do things and what his experience has been like. Definitely in the snippet, they talked about his shot against Missouri State and how it all went down, that he knew he was going to make it. I think he was just saying that, but obviously we know he's a good shooter. We know all that stuff, even in highly contested situation that that was he talked about how and i think obviously you talk you talk about the shot but we need to talk about the throw that ronnie suggs had which was unbelievable lefty throw that marcus had to find his way and seal his guy and make that shot over two defenders he mentioned yeah how he said he knew it was going in and how uh how ronnie you know the, the and brian asked about the atmosphere and the student section going crazy charging the uh the court whenever he made it and how awesome he said that was and uh, just the moment. And we talked about recently, I think it was our, on our last pod about a mailbag about modern top modern moments. And that definitely is up there when obviously the Missouri state game. Yeah, absolutely. That's a big part. And that atmosphere we had that night is what we want every night in that, in that arena. It's just, it takes it to another level, especially when teams come in here. If it's halfway sold out and the just with that many fans in there and the students getting behind the team, it takes them to a next level. It gives them more energy. They know it means more to us, and they just play at another level. Exactly, and they preach that with football, and they preach that so many times with basketball, how excited they always are to come and play it at, at Banterra Center in front of our fans because that game is a pure example. We mentioned before how we were not able to make the game. We were at a pretty another high-level uh, high school basketball tournament. We weren't able to make that game, unfortunately. We were obviously streaming it. Wished we were there. And, yeah, if we can, because I remember every time either it's recruits posting pictures that they visited or they got an offer from, they, you know, they use that picture. And I know that picture is used a lot, the one of the aerial view of the uh, – I guess the caddy corner view of this of the arena and it's absolutely packed and we are hoping for more of that this year. We mentioned how with football that they are making the most of it and having reasons why they should have a lot of fans. That we know basketball struggled last year and had that first year. That we are hoping that they keep making steps in the in the right direction to warrant sellout crowds. So it's just obviously it's easily a home field or home court advantage. We know we play well at home. We like our chances against anybody, definitely in our conference at home because we pulled off big games before. So yeah, it, it obviously matters. And if the players notice that and love playing at the arena for those reasons to provide moments like that, it goes a long, long way as we know. So now Noah, let's end with a recruiting update. As we know, NJ Benson, who is, Amazing player, one that we are in on for the Final Five. He has made his rounds with his last official visits. He was at Missouri State this past, week, uh, this past weekend, wasn't he? But now he is home this weekend. Yeah, he will be here this weekend. He was at Murray State before he was at Missouri State. We know we saw the picture with John Morant. So that's a big one for them. It's a big weekend. Hopefully, we can get the Saluki Stadium packed, and he may, may he may be at the game. Hopefully, Brian seals the deal this weekend. Seals the deal, and he keep, brings him into practice again. We mentioned how before he dominated the practice he was in. If he can do that again, or we can maybe show him that hey, oh yeah, if you come here, we're pretty even with it for the most part. So, uh, yeah, seal the deal. This is for the future because we know we'll lose Anthony. We know start. We haven't had anybody for the next year yet that you know, with the guys coming in this year that we can sustain and keep this core that we know they've all talked about before with the added COVID year even. So uh, very important, yes. We will definitely break the news big time whenever NJ just makes his decision. We don't know when that's going to be yet. 
He might start his high school season. Obviously, it seems right around the corner. It's in a couple months, just like how college is. But maybe before the season starts, we'll see some. We will keep everybody updated on that. So Maybe this weekend. Could be this weekend. if he. I think he would pick a date. But, yeah, if this is after he makes all his rounds, knowing he'll end up picking a date. So we will keep everybody updated. I on say that, that knowing that uh, four-star Tyler Nichols that just committed to North Carolina did it right after the day after he visited North Carolina. So – Kids know, and they just know it's the place for them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, and we know he talked before he talked with Scott Burgess at Prep Hoops that uh, he talked about all the schools. We talked about us knowing how close it is to home and how good, you know, how close family oriented the coaching staff and all this is. Like as we know, as we just talked about with Cash, so they can instill that in all these players. They can definitely feel like they're coming to the right place. So is we got MJ, and then we got a couple more right before we end this recruit wise. Recruit wise, we've uh, we have a lot. We've missed out on a lot of guys since we last talked. Uh, Ryan Conwell cut his list. He is out on. We are out on Ryan Conwell. He was a shooting guard from Desmet, Missouri, playing for former Saluki himself. So we are out on him. Zakai Ziegler, a point guard from. Out in New York, we missed out on him. He's committed to Tennessee. As we talked about the big one last time, Jalen Quinn's going to Loyola. Um, recently, Jackson Pavelski out of Missouri is committed to Wofford. Um, we knew we were already out on this kid, but Jaden Shutt is headed to Duke. He will be at Highland. You mentioned Highland earlier. Um, I think we mentioned on the last pod, but I'll say it again. Alfonso Billups is headed to VCU. Leon Bonds headed to Virginia. Um, Jack Karasinki's headed to William and Marion. Braden Applehands is headed to New Mexico. And Chiron Lindsay, the big guy we enjoyed, he has cut his list as well. He's got some big decisions. Yeah, he's got he's he was in Georgia this past weekend. So for twenty twenty two we've Starting to trim our list and know exactly which guys we want. As we know, NJ's a big one. Um, a couple other names to watch out is uh, Robbie Avila would be a big one. Um, I think they're starting to focus on the point guard spot. Maybe a Donye May or a Tayshawn Comer. As we know, we posted before they had visits about a couple months ago. So Yeah, as they know that. So we know those guys are what we're looking at. And recently... We had a 2023 offer. Um, Desmond White, he's a guard. So that he is... He us back and liked something we had recently. I think it was about the football game, just knowing everything. So he likes something, so he's kind of invested, so we need to keep him that way. Yeah, he's from Helios High School. You know uh, you know who's from there? This could seal the deal if we can get this. He's from... The same high school as Jamal Tatum. Jefferson City. Jefferson City. That is a big one. That's a big one. Yeah, if Jamal can, uh, we know he's there probably right now. He's getting ready for Randall's induction next month. But uh, if he's there as we know he is right now. If he knows this kid. He he did mention he's in a lot of, he's not a full-on coach, but he gets involved with with, uh, student or with, you know, kids, so I mean, yeah, maybe he can pave the way there. This kid's a fifth-ranked player in the state, and just selling it. You sold me. It's uh, once I read same high school as Jamal Tatum. That sold me right there. So, mm-hmm. and yeah, for sure. So that's in a couple of years, but yeah, get that guy. Uh, and then I did see because I was just this twenty twenty two point guard Ashton Janowski that he visited Western Illinois, but he's made visits to Bradley, us uh, in Indiana State recently. That was on August thirtieth by Evan Flood. So that was one I just witnessed as well. I guess, yeah, the Wisconsin area. Um, so that was one. I, I think that's it. They, they keep talking about, we'll wrap this up. They keep talking about the Coca-Cola Golf Club thing, inaugural tip-off dinner on October 7th from 6 to 9. If you can and want to, go check that out. We know they did. They've been doing it the last couple of years. They did a couple of years ago. So, um, so yeah, a good pod. Can everybody update us? Like I said, unfortunate news to start out this pod with. But it had to be said, had to be talked about, and then we get into the main bits. Uh, we mentioned it's been a while, over two weeks since we've done this thing. Since we've talked about basketball, we know two weeks away. So it's good to know the schedule, definitely the conference schedule, which is what matters most. You want to win these good non-con games, obviously, for your resume builder. And we will definitely focus on that when the time counts. But definitely knowing the conference schedule is nice and matters. And then the news about JD and then uh, 
by Reese, we don't know officially, but we'll let everybody know about that, and then NJ Benson, too. So the main things, we will be sure to keep everybody updated still. We don't know when our next one will be. Uh, so until we get to that point, we will definitely keep updating on the biggest news up until in these last final two months. So for Nick Malone. No alerts. On this Dogs Basketball Podcast. Until next time, go dogs.